All right, we want to get into God's words. Uh, we're in a series, The Words of Jesus. That's right. The red print in your Bible, obviously, the words of Jesus are all Genesis through Revelation. But we just wanted to go through the Gospels looking at what Jesus said. You might remember what I said uh, last week or a couple of weeks ago that we know about Jesus. We want to know Jesus. We want to know what he has said. We want to apply it to our life whether it's easy or whether it's difficult. Because a lot of what Jesus said isn't easy. And last time we talked about when he said, follow me. Whatever the cost is, he said, follow me. And at times, we want to follow God if it's good for us. But if it's challenging or uncomfortable, we just we don't like those parts of the red print or the Bible. So we've been looking at that, and we want to continue today. And I'm not going to attack this uh, chronologically, and we'll just go through it over the next couple of months, maybe longer, to see what God is applying through the words of Jesus. There's so much. We could be here for the next 10 years, right? And um, so if I'm missing something, uh, I'm sorry, um, but you have an anointing yourself. First John says that you can hear from God as you read his word, right? So if I miss it, I'm sorry, but the Holy Spirit wants to speak, hopefully, to you today about something. Today is quite practical in a sense. I'm going to start in Matthew 26, verse 52. We're not going to stay here. We're going to end up in Matthew 7. But this just came to my mind. This is something that I've been struggling with, so... A lot of people, when they hear my preaching, say, well, you're pretty simple and you just lay out who you are. And I don't know any other way to preach. But this has been a struggle in my life, okay? So I'm being dead front honest with you in how the words of Jesus have convicted me. And maybe through the lessons I've learned, they can teach you today as well. But just kind to start to, to flavor it off in verse 15, uh, Jesus is in the garden of Gethsemane, and they come to take him, the, the high priest's army and officers, and you might remember Peter doesn't take so well to them coming to get him. And what does Peter do? What does Peter do when all these soldiers come? Does anyone remember? Yeah, takes his sword and cuts his... Was Jesus happy about that? No. And he makes this statement, Put your sword in its place, for all who take the sword will perish by the sword. And I'm not going to talk to you about war or fighting, but I want to talk to you about the principle is, if you're going to live a certain way, that's the way people are going to treat you. Do you understand that? If I'm going to use violence as my method, people are going to be violent against me. That's what he's saying here. If you're going to take the sword, you're going to die by the sword. Does everyone understand that? So some other examples that I'm not going to teach on, but the scripture teaches on, if you're generous, people are going to be generous towards you. You ever notice that? The people, why do they always like, why are people so generous to them and give them things? It's usually because their lives have a life of generosity. And we know in the Proverbs it says very clear that he who waters is well refreshed. 
That's what it says. If you're stingy, people are stingy with you, right? Have you ever noticed this? If you're kind to people, usually people are kind to you, right? That's just the way it operates. If you're angry with people, angry people attract angry people. That's just the way it goes. People are angry back to you. And I'm not saying in every situation, but it's a general principle because we reap what we sow. That's what God's Word says very clearly. If you're going to sow certain seeds, that's what you're going to reap back. If If I'm generous, right? If I'm kind. On the other hand, if I'm an angry person... What grows is those things back. That's just the way Scripture, that's an amazing principle. But there's one specifically I want to talk about today. And I think it's been a problem in my life, as I mentioned before. So if you'll turn to Matthew chapter 7, and maybe some of you, your mind's already dinging already. Oh, Matthew 7. When you get there, you'll be like, oh yeah, I know that one. So, I don't have any desire to be long today. I don't want quantity. I want quality. I want the Holy Spirit to minister to our hearts. And I think these words, with the principle, if you're going to live a certain way, if you're going to sow a certain way, you're going to get that back. Listen to this. Judge not that you be not judged. For with what judgment you judge, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. So it's the whole principle, Jesus says it, right? It's an amazing thought, and he says, Why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not consider the plank in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, Let me remove the speck from your eye, and look A plank is in your own eye. And then Jesus has very harsh words. Hypocrite. First remove the plank from your own eye. Then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. These are the words of Jesus. And what I'm learning and what I'm saying is, if you have a critical spirit, people will be critical towards you. If you have a judging spirit, you will find that people will judge you. And I'm not saying you even have to verbalize. Because sometimes in our head, we've learned a little control over our mouth. But we can be the most critical people on the face of the earth. Maybe it's only me. (laughs) But we'll let the Holy Spirit work. People say, oh, judge, we're supposed to judge. And in some ways, you're correct. And I want to explain to you a little bit what this word judgment means here. Your Bible may say, condemn not. Not just judge not, but don't condemn. Because there's two different types of judgment. Obviously, in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, there was a judgment of someone living in sin and who was proud about it, and didn't think it was sin, right? Or even if they knew it, said it wasn't wrong, and almost was bragging about it, and it was a wrong sexual relationship. And so Paul said, 
you need to judge that person and have them out of the church, right? Because they're stating, I'm not in sin. And the person is sleeping with their mother-in-law. I'm not sinning. And you'll have people say, well, don't judge them, right? But in that way, we have a responsibility to say, you can't do that. You can't live in sin like that and say it's right. And we need to tell you that. We need to speak the truth to you. But what I want to tell you is there's a judgment to restoration and there's a judgment towards condemnation. And what God would ask us to do sometimes within the church is speak the truth for restoration. So I speak into someone's life who doesn't think someone's sin, so they will be restored to right behavior. Do you understand what I'm saying? So what did Paul do in 1 Corinthians 5? He said very clearly, you'll have to go out. And people say, oh, that was mean. What happened in 2 Corinthians? The person came back and Paul said, forgive them because they were restored. Judgment is never for condemnation to put someone away. It's to restore them so they will come into proper relationship in Jesus Christ. But what I want to tell you, in Matthew chapter 7, he's not talking about the judgment towards restoration. He's talking about the judgment that's condemnation. He's talking about the judgment that's trying to elevate self and put someone else down. He's talking about the judgment that's arrogant. You're struggling in sin and someone's struggling but having a hard time and you just want to put it in their face. It's a judgment where you're looking, you're a sin sniffer. Okay? You're not good enough. You have no desire for restoration or to see the person grow. But you have a bunch of rules and regulations that you're worried that people aren't following. And somehow because they're not following it and you are, you want to lift yourself up. Because what happens is you really have a problem in yourself. That's what Jesus is saying. And the reality is when we talk judge and people say, well, don't judge me. You have to be careful to understand what judgment in the Greek. Is it to restoration? Am I trying to help you? Or am I just trying to put you down and elevate myself? The reality is, because we live in an arrogant society that's self-centered, the majority of our judgment is not for restoration. Okay? I'll give you another example. In Luke, when they bring the adulterous woman, the Pharisees and all these experts who brought him to Jesus to get Jesus, we caught her in adultery. Right? And what, what did Jesus say? Well, the, the penalty was you get stoned, right? And so, what are you going to do, Jesus? Here's a big sinner, and we're judging her. What are you going to do? This is wrong. It was wrong behavior. But Jesus, to show them a lesson, said, well, he who is without sin, what? Did anyone throw a stone? No. And sometimes the scholars think that probably the older left first because they realized, oh, I'm, not, I'm not perfect. And the reality is, some would say, as they comment on that, that passage, how would they know to where to find this woman? To find her in the act of adultery. Because she was doing it. But they knew because maybe they knew her. 
Jesus says, I don't condemn you. Remember what he said? Did he want to restore that woman? You better believe it. Did he think that act was right? No, because he says, go and sin no more. Don't do this. Jesus' heart was restored. But the only one who could throw a stone was who? Jesus. Did he? No, he's more interested in a restoration than he was in her condemnation. And I look at Jesus and the words of Jesus, and it says, judge not. And the reality is, to be honest with you, in my life as exhibit A, there's too much in the church of the negative judgment happening right before our eyes. There's too much critical spirit within the body of Christ trying to define what we think is perfectly right when we are trying to condemn people instead of restore them to what the truth is. Galatians would make it very clear in chapter 5. If someone has a burden struggling in sin, you go to them gently trying to what? Restore them. But I think that attitude starts in our hearts, in our lives, with this little critical spirit, this little judging spirit. Can I ask you this question? When you look at people, how do you look at them? Do you look at them in a way that will help them? Or do you possibly have the disease that I struggle with critical? Why did they do that? Who do they think they are? Don't they know they should do it like that? Why aren't they giving? Why aren't they at prayer meeting? Why aren't they doing this? I can't believe they did that. Who do they think they are? It comes from a deep problem within our own heart. But I want to tell you that we are not, as I heard in times past within the church, called to be policemen, but we're called to be paramedics. Did you hear me? You're not called to be a policeman and determine what your brothers and sisters I saw you. I saw you. You didn't pick up that hitchhiker. And you call yourself a Christian? And you think that's silly. But what do you think in your mind? Why did they do that? Why did they do that? Why did they do that? So I want to tell you the way of Jesus is the hard way. It's the way of truth for sure. But it's the way of forgiveness and grace. Because the goodness of God leads people to repentance. When Andrew was walking through the red light district, do you think he would have to say, you're a sinner? No, he needs to tell them the answer because they know they're desperate sinners. The Holy Spirit can convict of sin. And as we read the truth, I love that. They just read God's word. God's word through the power of the Holy Spirit convicts people of sin. We read this chapter in itself. I don't need any help being convicted as I read these words. Right? But now, what is the answer? And the hard way is Jesus' way. You see, the hard way is to offer grace and forgiveness in the truth of who he is. What is truly the heart of the matter 
Why do we judge? Have you ever asked yourself, okay, don't judge, great sermon, Dan, let's walk out, that's fine, God help us not to judge. I don't think that's the end of here, it just doesn't say do not judge, it says very clearly this, take the plank out of your eye. It's not like go here and don't judge, it says you have a job to do that will help you not to judge. So God, help me not to judge. What do I have to do? you got to take the plank out of your own eye. Daniel, you got to deal with your heart. With the Holy Spirit. It's funny, it's been said before, but we have a plank in our own eye. People often read this and think, the speck or the splinter in someone else's eye usually comes off the plank. So I see sin in you is the same sin I struggle with. It becomes more apparent and more real. But that's an angry person. I can't believe they're angry. Your wife or your husband, like, or your kids, like, you think they got anger issues, huh? <laughs> we recognize in others, that's what he's saying, what we struggle with. The heart of the matter, we have to deal with our own heart. We have to deal with the log in our own eye. We have to remove the log. We need to repent. We need to know God's forgiveness. Oftentimes in my life, I've realized this. Someone told me a long time ago, the problem is never the problem. Have you heard that? Someone struggles with alcohol. We think alcohol is your problem. Alcohol is not their problem. Alcohol is the medication for their problem. You meet an angry person. Anger is your problem. Anger is not their problem. Maybe forgiveness is their problem, right? But what we do is we judge them for the behavior of the problem we see instead of realizing that God wants to work in their life to deal with the real problem, but we're so fixated on judging the behavior that we don't let God use us to deal with the issue. So I think the heart of the matter, the reality of the log is, what is it in me? What is the real problem in me? I find usually judging my life comes from a lack of identity and confidence in the truth of who I am in Jesus Christ. You say, well, how does that work? Well, if I'm not confident in who Jesus is, what he's done for me, accepted that and living in that, I don't understand who I am and I try to elevate myself by pointing out deficiencies within you. If I don't know his love, the reality is I can't live in his love and share his love. And what happens is I judge to condemnation and not restoration. Maybe like this, back to the sword. We live with the sword, we're going to die with the sword. I went to see, I told you last week, the movie The Apostle Paul. And Luke, a part I would have changed, but it doesn't matter, has a sword or needs a sword. He's a physician and there's this girl who's sick and it's his enemy, the just this fictional story so just follow along for the example he 
the guy says, come heal my daughter, come help my daughter. And she says, she has a problem. And he's like, I need a sword. And it's his enemy. And he's like, I'm not giving you a sword. He's like, I need a sword. I need to cut her skin to deal with the infection. But he thought, if I give you a sword, you're going to kill my daughter. I think it's back to this whole thing. Do you want to hurt someone? Or do you want to heal someone? In your heart, in trying to help them, in knowing who you are in Jesus Christ, you're not going to want to use the sword to cut someone with your words. You're going to want to use the sword to heal them, to get the infection out. You have to know this morning who you are. A sinner saved by grace, thus made a saint. And you will look at people different. You won't judge them because you know you're just like them. The only difference is Jesus has made you new. So the reality is don't judge. I want to tell you don't judge. But live in his love. He's forgiven you. He's cleansed you. And if there's sin, allow him to extract it from your life. Now, just practically, do you think you'll have more fruit? Do you think people will want to be restored when you talk to them? A lot of people from the church, the world, doesn't want to talk to. You don't care about me. You don't love me. You just want to tell me what I'm doing wrong. No, you know you're doing it wrong. I'm coming here with the answer to love you because I was in the same place. And I received grace and forgiveness. And because of that, I changed my behavior and I'm totally different. It's kind of written like this in 2 Corinthians. You comfort people with the comfort you've received. Wow. I was just like that. But God changed me because he comforted me in my sin because of Jesus. He forgave me and I repented. Is that you? I don't look at you the same because I was like you. And I have compassion and a desire to help you rather than hurt you. Sometimes we don't present the right Jesus. Jesus, what did he say to the woman? He knew she was wrong. I don't condemn you. He's not saying go sin. He's saying don't sin. But he's saying, listen, you're forgiven. And if someone chooses Jesus and accepts him and realizes the grace, they will be different. How do you treat others? Let's just do a test. How do you treat others? Are you critical in your spirit to your spouse, to your children, to your neighbors? Do you look at what's wrong? When you look at this church, do you be like, you should do it like this? I can't believe you. Is that how you look at the body of Christ? What destroys families? Well, you're not the wife I need. You just yell at me and you're like this and you do that. And if you were a real Christian, 
our marriage would be better. So I used to go to that church. I can't believe them. They teach the Bible, but they're not going chapter by chapter. He's just doing the letters in red. Like, you think that's a church? And the music here is way too fast. Like, they shouldn't even use instruments. But I don't care what the Psalms say. Symbols and... We could pick out anything. You think Jesus looking at you could pick out anything in your life? Hey, whoa, whoa, hold the phone. You telling me you're perfect? How does he treat you? How does he treat you? Is he gracious? Is he forgiving? Is he restoring? Or is he condemning you? If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, he looks at you like he looked at Peter and he says, I forgive you. Now come my way and do the right thing. Aren't you thankful for the cross and his grace? And now he calls us to live the same way. Did I tell you that you're not supposed to speak of truth? Never. Did I tell you that we're not to... If someone's living in sin, doesn't think it's right? Or am I telling you that we're not to speak truth and try and restore them? No, I never said that. Like... I am speaking of a different problem that we all have when we are critical because we don't know our own identity and forgiveness and we push people down when God doesn't want that for us. He's saying, if you're going to live like that, you're going to be measured like that. Why do people say that about me? (laughs) You ever wondered? Why do they write me letters? They're so critical about who I am and what I do. I can't believe they do that. And then one one day God said, well, what are you thinking about them? I didn't write it down. (laughs) (laughs) Is there a difference? Well, sure, self-control. But I knew my heart was wrong. And I can remember a year ago just thinking, God, you've got to change me. Because it's just being measured back to the way I've measured people for the majority of my life. Because I'm a prideful sinner who needs Jesus every single day. And the reality is, if we have a church built on Jesus Christ, His truth and His grace, the atmosphere in this place will change and people will want to come. And you know what? If we speak his truth, they won't be able to get in the door. They'll have to go because the presence of God will be so great. He wants to change people. He wants to change people, amen? He wants to disciple us and make us more like him. But what is our heart in helping people? That's what I'm saying. And I guess the final word again is this. If you use the sword, you're going to be measured by the sword. You're going to die by the sword. And the judgment you use towards others, folks, it's going to come right back at you. You point your finger, you got three coming back at you. And Jesus is teaching us to live a different way. Our identity is in Christ. He is everything. He is our forgiveness. He is our life. He empowers us to live holy lives because he is different and his Holy Spirit is in us. And it's never about us. Amen.
Yeah, Holy Spirit. We want to confess our failure this morning. I want to be a leader who leads by example and says very clearly that I have been wrong and I desire to be more like you. I don't want to judge to condemnation or be critical. I want to live in truth for restoration. I want my words to be filled with grace, unmerited favor. Lord, we want to take the log out this morning. The Holy Spirit has a great way of ministering to each of us in our own hearts, in our own ways. Maybe your struggle and how you're being critical of someone in your life is not my struggle, but God doesn't want it in your life. This morning, he wants to do surgery. He wants to take the log out of your eye that you truly can help those around you. Because when the log is removed, we have the ability to take the problem out of those around us. So Jesus, this morning, examine our hearts. Jesus, this morning, Holy Spirit, examine us, as David said in Psalm 139, if there is any wicked way, any critical spirit that has led to condemnation or pushing people aside or simply judging them for our own elevation, God, would you reveal it in our hearts? Would you reveal specific people and specific situations that we can repent of them and ask for your forgiveness? The Holy Spirit is here this morning. And he wants to work. He wants to rid us of these things. But you quietly consider in your own heart, even now. Give him those things. Say you're sorry. Repent. The word of God says clearly, if we confess our sin, he is faithful to forgive us. The work of his spirit, the fruit of his spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. Listen to these words. Faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. There's no anger in any of those words. There's no I told you so in any of those words. It's love, it's joy, it's gentleness, it's peace. It's perseverance, it's goodness. And Lord Jesus, as we are free from ourselves and our judgment, fill us again and again with more of you that we may exhibit your grace and your joy and your peace and your love and your gentleness and your faithfulness and all these things. May they control us that the body of Christ would be different because they will know us by our love. Agape love, not keeping a record of wrongs. Agape love, not rude. 
always hoping, always enduring. Agape love, again, never keeping a record of wrongs. God, we want that in us. We want agape. We want more of you. That we would be different. And that we would obey your words in Matthew chapter 7. That you would change the flavor, the temperature of the spiritual atmosphere in this place to be more like you, Jesus. Holy Spirit, help us find our identity in you, in your forgiveness. And that's why we celebrate communion. Because we're finding our identity in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. We're examining him and how he responded, having done nothing wrong, yet paying the price for our sin on the cross, sacrificing his life, separation from the Father, that we would be brought close to the Father. We look at perfect Jesus, loving Jesus, forgiving Jesus, our filth paid for, and we remember and we celebrate. That's what we're doing at communion. We're remembering Jesus. If there is sin in your life, you can be sure as you confess that you are forgiven. And as you take communion, what you're seeing is you're remembering that his blood justifies you. His body makes you whole. That you truly are free. That all of your identity is in Christ. That's what you're remembering. If you've had a bad week, bad month, you turn to him and say, thank you, Jesus. And if there's anyone who doesn't know Jesus Christ this morning, he says, believe with your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus died and rose again. And you will be saved. Maybe it's just been a tradition for you, but he wants a relationship. Maybe it's been in your head, as Andrew said, but he wants it in your heart where you truly confess, God, you are my Savior through Jesus Christ. Is that you this morning? You can turn to him. He loves you so much. He's forgiven you. He desires that you would accept his forgiveness. You can turn to him right now. There's no prayer in the Bible. It's a hard attitude. There's a confession of the mouth. Jesus, you are everything. Forgive me. Set me free. Make me yours. Now let's celebrate. Let's worship. If you need prayer, there'll be brothers and sisters at the back. The elements are in the back as we sing respectfully and quietly you may get them as you think on Jesus and praise him and worship him and thank God for his love in sending Jesus. Live in the freedom that he's given you. Live in the identity of being his son and daughter this morning. Once we've all got the elements, we'll partake together. Let's worship Jesus this morning.